Hello everyone, I'm Bola Deglu. Welcome to another episode of the Globalization of Entrepreneurship podcast. We speak with founders and operators, investors and enablers of great companies across the fastest growing emerging markets, specifically Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Latin, India and Pakistan. And we speak to them to one, amplify them globally, two, learn from their playbooks and dispel myths, three, understand how to operate within their respective regions. Today, we're focusing on the startup and operating uh, experience in Singapore and Southeast Asia, and I'm incredibly excited to introduce Evan Tan. Evan is a lead technical program manager at Grab, a super app unicorn in Southeast Asia. He's also the co-founder of Centrally, a social network for collecting and sharing new ideas and a graduate at INSEAD. Prior to this, he worked as chief of staff at Holistics, a SaaS data analytics startup in Southeast Asia. Welcome, um, Evan. How are you? Very good, very good. Very glad to be here, Bola. Thanks for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. So where are you calling from today? Where, 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 are, you, where are you located today? Uh, right out of Singapore in my home office. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So can you give us just an overview of your background and how um, you found your way into the world of startups? You have a, a pretty interesting background given that you know, you, you've, you, you know, you've studied in, in France, um, in Singapore, and you know, pretty much um, in in Melbourne, a number of interesting interesting places, which which provides a unique perspective. But could you just give us a quick overview of your background and how you found your way into startups? Sure, uh, you've already done such a great job going through my experiences, but I'll try to add on to that. Uh, I'll say, for me, getting into startups was I kind of fell into it somehow. It wasn't uh, something I had set out to do or planned to get into uh, back when I was in university. Uh, and it really just sort of happened while I was in my first job at a, a think tank. I was there as a research associate. And for me, it was always about impact. I was very interested uh, to try to do something uh, that could actually be have a meaningful influence, uh, especially for the region. And that's why I thought uh, being in a think tank would be one way to do so. Uh, but then I kind of realized that academia wasn't exactly for me. Mm-hmm. And during my time that, uh, there, I actually developed some coding skills. I picked up Python on the side, uh, learned how to uh, program a little bit and from there it kind of got me interested to see um, that maybe uh, startups could be an option I could consider mm-hmm. and then I realized that through uh, just my amateur coding experiences I was able to improve things uh, in the workplace and I turned some processes that took about uh, three weeks into something that took 15 minutes uh, then I sort of realized hey this can really uh, make a difference this could actually be a very meaningful thing to do as well and that's how I started looking around and then got into uh, the data analytics SaaS startup and joined them there for four years. And during my time there, I, I loved it. It was great. I, I really came to realize I, I felt like I finally found a place where I could thrive. Uh, this focus on taking action, the growth mindset, and anything that you set your mind to and you feel it's, it's useful and valuable to do. Because if, if you don't do it, nothing happens. I realized all that just fit me like a glove. And so that kind of led me down the path I've been on. And so recently, I just actually graduated from INSEAD and I joined Grab, the super app unicorn in Southeast Asia. And when I'm not working, uh, I'm actually building a product together with two other co-founders, essentially uh, the social network for collecting and discovering knowledge. You can think of it like a Pinterest for knowledge sharing. Uh, yeah, so that's a brief rundown of some of my experiences. I'm very excited to uh, share more and learn from you as well Bola, during this session. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, I think that's, that's really inspiring. And, you know, I did some research um, into Holistics, which is a, kind of the first company you worked in. Um, I guess mm. it's, it's quite different to, to Grab in the sense that 
and Holistics, based on my research, was a is a bootstrapped B two B company. So, mm-hmm. what was it like? What, what what was your role there first in terms of uh, joining that company, and then we would, we would dig in further into that. For sure, I started off as a growth hacker in Holistics, mm-hmm. and eventually became chief of staff. Worked very closely with the uh, with the CEO, and I sort of took on a role where I'll be working very closely with. Uh, the software engineers and the product uh, folks down in well, over in Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh. And our, the team was basically 80% software engineers and product people, mm-hmm. and the rest were the business folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it was really uh, wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. It could be from product marketing to business development. I even picked up a little bit of JavaScript, HTML, uh, Ruby on Rails to be able to make some changes to the website. Uh, it, w- it was really uh, being a generalist and, and trying to move the needle. Fantastic. And I guess, what did you learn from that? Because I think that's quite an interesting experience, right? In the sense of mm-hmm. there is, in the, I don't, and I don't want to make any assumptions um, yeah. uh, there because you know I co-founded the Bootstrap company. That was my first company that I did, and it's quite, it's very different to a venture back one. What did you learn yes. um, in in that process, um, and 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 what have you taken from that experience? Oh, that's a that's a great question, Bola. Um, I would say that. Personally, and everything I share today will just really be my own opinions on these uh, issues. Um, I would say working in a bootstrap company, there was a lot of freedom to do things the way we saw fit, mm-hmm. which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I would also feel that perhaps, uh, perhaps if we had some external parties uh, getting involved, would that perhaps have influenced the trajectory of the company in a slightly different way? So generally, I'd say working in a bootstrap company, uh, there, there are the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I would say I definitely learned a lot during my time there. And, mm-hmm. uh, no regrets. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And um, what was the working environment like in terms of the culture? Um, if you can mm-hmm. think back to your time there, what, what was the culture like? Um, yeah, I would say what I definitely took away was an appreciation for, uh, for engineers and the way that uh, these software engineers approach problems. It's, it's very logical, it's very systematic. And I learned so much about uh, about how, how they thought about problems, the sort of tools they would use, uh, and how they would approach uh, problem solving and, 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 and working together. Okay, for example, there was one memorable uh, experience I had. Uh, interestingly enough, I was working with a software engineer uh, in the Vietnam team. Uh, but uh, for him, uh, speaking uh, in English was a, was a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so he asked me, can you actually write it down over Google Docs? Mm-hmm. And interestingly, what happened was that it turns out that even though he struggled uh, to communicate verbally in English, his, his written English was quite strong. So we ended up having a whole uh, conversation and uh, exchange and all the information was shared over Google Docs and we managed to get the project done. <laughs> so it was a very um, eye-opening experience for me back then that I just sort of realized that, uh, all right, it's, it's really about understanding um, you know, how to work uh, with, with uh, this team uh, from a different culture and then actually getting to really appreciate and understand how they how they how they work there in Vietnam, I, I would say um, I, I have very fond memories. I went down to the office quite uh, quite often to Ho Chi Minh to spend time uh, with the team there. Uh, yeah, and, and there was definitely a bit of a language barrier at times, but there was a camaraderie that still emerged nonetheless. And I kind of realized and appreciated that young dynamic energy. Uh, there's so much I can say about uh, so so the locals there call Ho Chi Minh Saigon. They, there's such a young, vibrant energy in Saigon, especially in the tech scene, hmm. that it's, it really made me bullish about the potential of Vietnam and also about what can be done in the region, which links very well to what we want to talk about today. Fantastic, fantastic. And we'll touch, we'll touch um, um, on those in terms of what are the, what are the similarities um, between Singapore and, and Vietnam? I guess 
outsiders will probably look at Southeast Asia as a homogeneous region, which of course it isn't. Um, mm. Similarities and differences with, between those countries. But kind of uh, continuing on your experiences now, what was it like working for Grab? Um, you've been working for Grab now for, I guess, a couple of months. Um, what, what are you currently doing there in terms of what, what your day-to-day looks like? And uh, you know, what have you been learning from that? Mm, sure. Uh, again, speaking in my own capacity, uh, well, I, I sort of see myself as the bridge between a technical and non-technical folks, mm-hmm. and that's basically the role that I play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sometimes it might be uh, deep diving into data, uh, it could be organizing project management or managing stakeholders, coordinating between different teams, uh, and it's really around that issue of how do we try to um, execute some of these cross-functional projects uh, in my role as a technical program manager, uh, especially when it uh, involves multiple different uh, teams and uh, tech uh, engineering teams as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess what, what 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 are the differences based off of so you worked you know you worked in a bootstrap startup like Holistics now mm. you're in a kind of a, a venture back super venture back uh, startup like Grab and um, what mm. are what what are the differences in, in that experience I guess from uh, I'm trying to understand what are the differences yeah. from a South Southeast Asia Singaporean uh, perspective I've been quite pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. to be honest about um, how how uh, they, how dynamic uh, the company is uh, since I've joined. Uh, and my, 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 the stereotypes I had in my mind would be, okay, uh, a startup would move a lot faster, mm-hmm. uh, a lot quicker, it's easier to get things done, which are true to an extent uh, compared to a larger company. Uh, but I, I must say that um, my, my personal observations and experiences is that, is that there's quite a strong engineering uh, mindset and culture at Grab as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's definitely something I would say that this problem-solving mentality, this entrepreneurship culture, it's definitely there in Grab as well, especially when you're working with a team from all across the region, including uh, the United States as well, beyond the region too. Uh, so actually getting this diversity of views, experiences, and approaches to problems, I feel it's there's so much I can learn and I've been really enjoying my time there so far. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so now kind of taking a much more broader um, uh, a picture, tell, tell me more about what you're building at Centrally um, obviously, you mentioned that it's, it's something you do kind of on the side. Tell tell me more mm. about what you're building there. What inspired it? Um, who are you working with? How did you find those people? Um, and so on. Absolutely. Uh, so two of the, um, it's a team of three. And my other two co-founders were actually colleagues of mine uh, from Holistics, mm-hmm. uh, a product manager, Anthony, as well as a software engineer, Wang. And the three of us together, um, so... Basically, I, I had spoken with Anthony before that, you know, I, I would love to try to do something together, build something together one day. Uh, so he reached out to me with this idea for Centrally and he said, hey, this, uh, you know, this is something that I've been exploring and thinking about. Well, what do you think of this? Would you like to do this together? And interestingly enough, it was an idea I had been uh, considering exploring as well. And the way I would describe Centrally, it's, it's to me personally, I see it as how, how can we actually bring together two things? One would be, you know, existing social networks like Facebook, like LinkedIn, um, and, and there's a there's a there's a strong focus on on um, approval, likes. Um, but uh, how do you find a, a network that's actually focusing a lot more on the knowledge, the depth of content, the learning, mm-hmm. and actually how could you actually uh, perhaps have people curate and 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 highlight what is actually useful, what's valuable, and it's really the focus on the the learning, the content, uh, and the value. That you can get out of these materials. So that's where the, the idea for Centrally is really from these, this overlapping of a social network, a social network with a knowledge graph, if you will. 
where basically you have people building collections, bookmarking things that they find useful from the times browsing around online. And over time, they build up these repositories that, are, uh, that you can actually share and see what each other uh, is, what, what, what do we each use and what sources of information are we consuming? Uh, and then maybe actually also to uh, combine some of our collections or maybe build a collection together and learn from each other. And it's really just focus on how do we tap onto our collective uh, learning abilities to be able to build a, a better curated source of truth and knowledge uh, that can actually advance um, our understandings and mental, mental models of things uh, to be able to make sense of the world together. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's super cool. I mean, I, I checked it out, actually. I checked it out because I think it's, it's a behavior that people have really in terms of bookmarking links that are really interesting to them. And, you know, there's only a certain amount of links that you can bookmark on your Google uh, bookmarks, you know. So this is like a very a brilliant, elegant way to kind of organize it and share it with people instead of sending the links via email. So it's a really elegant, Thank you. really elegant um, really interesting, um, really interesting idea. Um, and then I guess kind of taking text, taking a step back now, you know, mm. what, what are people's attitudes to working um, in startups um, or mm. starting one um, in, in Singapore yeah. or, or Southeast Asia? How is that? How is what are people's attitudes now and how has that evolved from, from the past? Wow. That's a that's a large question and um, it's going to need me to make some generalizations for sure. Uh, I, I would definitely say it, it's a it's a it's one I'm still trying to make sense of. There's definitely more interest in startups now. I find uh, having been part of the scene for a while, mm -hmm. and I, I do feel that uh, there's there, there's several factors, right? There's definitely um, increased amount of people wanting to start startups, mm -hmm. and there's also increased uh, amount of funding coming into the region. I think recently uh, companies like Excel, A16Z, Lightspeed have uh, set up or are setting up uh, branches in the region. And uh, so from that front, I would say it's definitely one of the reasons why I got excited to be part of the scene at this time. I really feel like joining the, the tech and startup scene in Asia, in Southeast Asia at this point, it's really the, the start, it's the emergence of it. It's really a part of something exciting that's growing. Uh, and, and I think there are definitely people that share those sentiments. But there's also another part that perhaps there's certain um, cultural elements, uh, to generalize again, mm -hmm. that perhaps values a more predictable, a more stable mm -hmm. uh, arrangement. And I think there's also family expectations that might come into that sometimes, or also personal circumstances that come into that. So mm -hmm. people might um, you know, have those uh, pressures to say, pick a more stable job, maybe in finance, maybe mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in accounting, maybe law, maybe medicine. But I think it's the nature of where we are right now in the region and maybe even the world with globalization, digitalization taking place so quickly, uh, where industries are getting disrupted uh, quickly as well. I think eventually, it, it's, a, it's a strange one from personal experiences, talking uh, even within my family and sharing that my, my startup ambitions, right? There, there's a strange tension. On one hand, they see this exciting new thing and they're also curious and intrigued by it. On the other, there's a natural desire to be protective and say, oh, uh, it's so much uncertainty. Um, how, you know, are you sure that's a good idea? Which are both very natural reactions. But I think there is this realization, uh, and especially nowadays with people talking about things like the metaverse all the time, uh, th there is a sense that something new is emerging. And on one hand, people want to be part of it. On the other hand, they're a bit afraid of it. What were the kind of success stories or, or catalysts that change people's trajectory and people's thing? actually, hold on here. There might be something mm. here. There might, this, this might be... Um, something that we want to do. Um, what 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 do you think sort of mm. start to change people's mindsets in terms of looking at startups or, or you know starting one or joining one? Got it, got it. 
Well, my personal take on this would be the emergence of these homegrown tech unicorns mm -hmm. uh, that really sort of made, made people in this part of the world realize that, hey, we can maybe build something amazing here too. Mm. <laughs> and that's definitely, uh, I guess, my experience working a startup, I sort of realized that there's very little um, nowadays stopping us from being able to try too. There's, there's, there's probably not much difference between us and these, these, uh, these founders that went on to start these uh, now successful companies. So it's a mix of great execution um, and having the right team uh, and maybe um, refining a good idea to be able to get to where they are and realizing that it's doable probably is one big factor. So I would say, I think there is, in, in my observation, a pretty significant moment uh, was when uh, basically Grab and Uber were uh, basically competing in Southeast Asia. And it was the sense that, you know, uh, who's going to win between the two. And when Grab eventually was the one that uh, basically Uber left this part of the world uh, in exchange for a stake in Grab, but basically bowed out. And then realizing that, hey, our, our own homegrown mm -hmm. heroes can actually compete uh, on, on, a, on a global playing field and actually even beat the competition. And realizing that there is an advantage to people from the region understanding this market and executing in a way that people that are not from this part of the world might not actually understand some of the nuances. That, that element is something we can go into as well about localization. That's a big thing because there have definitely been people trying to take uh, tested and proven models to this mar these markets in the region and realizing that actually without that local insights and knowledge uh, in the team that's executing, there are so many obstacles that can be encountered. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's that's really helpful. And we'll come back to touching those points for sure. Um, that's that's really interesting and, and inspiring. Um, I guess how has the ecosystem evolved one positively in terms of hey, you're you know, you're happy with the way the ecosystem is evolving, and how has it evolved not so positively? What are the positive changes that you've seen in, in, in the ecosystem since you've been there in the startup ecosystem? And what are the perhaps not so positive? Um, change in the ecosystem since since you've been there. Mm, got it. Uh, I'll probably start with um, maybe the the negative, <laughs> which would be perhaps that again it's a function of the scene still in it being in its nascent stage. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely something I think we struggle with uh, is the, the maybe the, the the talent that we have. Perhaps it's still. You know, we, we don't really have people that have gone through what it was like to build a fast-growing uh, unicorn and then going on to their next uh, gig because this is still very much the early days. Mm -hmm. So naturally, there's that lack of uh, that seasoned veteran talent that uh, mm -hmm. that can really help them help the region in terms of maybe taking their experiences, building a, a, a rocket ship company, and being able to share and, and execute that here as well. So I I would say that that uh, depth of the talent pool is one issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, then another thing then, I guess, on the more positive front would be that there's, I, I, I would say there's, there's so much opportunity and people are waking up and realizing that, again, going back to what I shared earlier, that uh, why don't we build the solutions ourselves? Um, you know, we, we see these, uh, these many, it's that, that idea of perhaps the leapfrogging that's taken place in the region instead of going through, like, for example, if we were talking about payments, instead of going from cash uh, to credit cards to, to digital, we've just gone straight to digital over here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so taking that as an analogy that if we realize that uh, with the right team, uh, uh, right talent, we could basically build solutions to solve really real problems in the region. I think there's been definitely that uh, surge of interest and, and more um, people getting involved now than before. And that's definitely to me a positive development, realizing that uh, instead of maybe going to a more stable career path, but actually trying to take a stab at building something new and building real value 
uh, and the desire for entrepreneurship and the desire uh, to, to build something new that's that's uh, positives that I've seen coming out recently. Thank you. That's that's really helpful. And I think you touched on it uh, earlier on in terms of what are the nuances? What 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 do outsiders um, misunderstand um, about operating in the region? What I'd like the nuances, given that you know you you you've been you've been in France, you've been in, in Melbourne. You know what are for you? What are the nuances that people don't understand? Um, any helpful things that you can that you can share? Hmm. I think it's um, one of the big ones would be, like you mentioned, it's it's not a homogenous region at all. Mm. Uh, I think it was uh, it was the Prime Minister of Singapore said a couple of years ago that by 2030, ASEAN would be the fourth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, would mm-hmm. be the countries in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's such different needs in the different markets. Of course, there are some similarities, but it's, it's nearly as though you have a general playbook, but then each time you try to enter a new market, you're going to have to tailor that a little bit to uh, the, the local uh, requirements. And I think uh, this happens a lot with the super app as well, that they sort of have different homepages for the different markets actually, uh, based on this, that there's different preferences and needs in these different parts. So that element of realizing the need to localize, realizing the need to get that ground troops, people that are on the ground, experiencing, seeing, living, breathing it. Uh, it it's definitely not a case where you can just take a, a framework, a tested, proven framework like this worked in the US, this worked in Europe. Let's just roll it out here. There's definitely, definitely a lot of adaptation that's needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess from a, from a regulatory perspective as well, I guess from region to region, uh, pretty much most of the regions pro startup are maybe some a bit less. Can you give us an overview from a, from a regulatory perspective? I can try to take a step. This is definitely not my area of specialization. I can only share again my own observations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say, again, it's in the region, I think there is general uh, support and endorsement for startups. But there's also a realization that uh, some, of, some of these larger startups definitely, they've done such a good job of uh, creating jobs for people uh, and creating a cash flow uh, for, for for thousands of people across the region. And there's mm-hmm. definitely that element that I think uh, uh, the, 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 the incumbent governments would also realize and acknowledge. Uh, but in terms of um, the regulatory framework in different parts of Southeast Asia, I think there's really a need to understand the different priorities, I'd say. My first job was actually in a think tank, a research associate in an economics think tank for the region. Mm-hmm. And so from, from my observations then as well is that there's, it, it's, there are definitely these um, different priorities that uh, policymakers have, uh, that the regulators have, and it's all very context dependent, uh, depending on, okay, um, you know, how would you, uh, you know, what, 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 what is the balance of power? What, what, do, what do the people want? How do we make sure that we are uh, able to deliver some uh, outcomes that actually allows people to, to, to still uh, be supportive of uh, the, the, the approach? that these uh, policymakers are taking. There's definitely that, that nuance that requires um, being sensitive to, to the needs of each place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. And I guess, obviously, pretty much all of these questions are, are super generalized. Obviously, I'm sure there's, there's different nuances uh, depending on, on the people and, and the company. But generally, I, I guess at a high level, um, what, is, what is the general startup culture like in, um, in, in Singapore? And how does that compare with um, the rest of the other uh, regions in, um, in, in in Southeast Asia? Is it more formal? Is it less formal? How is business done? Could you give us kind of an overview of, of what the startup, particularly the startup culture, um, what, what does that look like? 
Mm, right. So my experience being in um, in a startup uh, working out of Singapore and the different uh, startups I got to come across. Uh, for example, there is a place in uh, Singapore called Block City One, and apparently, I think uh, they said that it was the highest densities of startups uh, per I don't know square feet per meter in the world. Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, exactly. Uh, and actually, seeing how teams run and operate them, I, I would say there's um, to generalize the tech startup culture in Singapore. Mm, people work very hard. <laughs> people are very focused on um, on, on executing, uh, and I would I would say that there is a it, there, 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 there's a there's a real pressure to try to figure out how can we how can we show that we are what what are the measures of success for these startups in, in Singapore? What is it that what is it that um, you know? It's like maybe sometimes people say, oh, you know, uh, we need we need to have good logos uh, for the startup in order to uh, sort of validate that what we're doing. Um, you know, maybe people are are more receptive if there's a strong portfolio of logos for the startup versus like oh, you know, let's just focus on the revenue uh, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the brand matters uh, mm -hmm. and. I think being able to exhibit that in a in a place in Singapore, especially where there is still um, a certain uh, obsession with uh, branding and success, hmm. that being able to showcase success as a startup is is a focus that might not be mm -hmm. uh, maybe there's a stronger emphasis on that here, in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but then that aside, I'll say um, there's there's this young energy as well in Singapore. I, I think it's helped by programs like the NUS Overseas College Program. Mm -hmm. Which basically uh, helped to uh, bring students uh, to uh, to immerse them in different uh, startup environments around the world, and a lot of them come back thinking, "Hey, uh, maybe I can start something like like that too." The mm -hmm. founders of Holistics being one example, and mm -hmm. also founders of a, a, a unicorn carousel. I believe they were also part of the NOC program, mm -hmm. uh, and that I think as 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 people in the region start, um, a lot of them are coming back from perhaps uh, being educated abroad or having lived and worked abroad. Mm -hmm. and taking some of those experiences and lessons back to the region. I, I know uh, that that's also happening a lot uh, in Vietnam. Uh, people that are actually coming to Vietnam as maybe um, maybe they were two or three generations out, maybe they were living somewhere like the US, and mm -hmm. they start realizing that uh, I, I want to go to Vietnam and I want to try to build something there. And people are taking those chances. Uh, so it's great actually to be able to see that. I feel that this is really a very exciting time to be part of tech, part of the startup scene in the region. Uh, and Singapore, it's the financial capital for the region when it comes to startup funding, for sure. Uh, it's 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 a great time to be part of the scene, I would say. Very cool, very cool. And um, I guess in terms of those that are trying to, say, recruit talent in the region, um, say you're a startup and you want to expand and you want to recruit talent in the region, what what, what would you say are the, um, what, what are the most important things in terms of, because I guess different regions have, um, for example, maybe the UK, UK in terms of, it's the same things that are similar in terms of compensation and, and so on and so forth. But compared to comparing the UK to to uh, Silicon Valley, there's certain aspects that are, are sort of very different in terms of what talent wants. I guess in terms of you know folks that are trying to um, expand their businesses to to Singapore, what what should they know about um, you know recruiting talent um, in in the region? Uh, well, I guess there are two ways we can approach that question, right? Um, I think. If it's trying to recruit in Singapore, it's one thing, and if it's trying to recruit in the region, it'll be a slightly different uh, situation. My observation, again, when it comes to talent in Singapore, uh, at least for maybe the larger tech companies, they are using Singapore largely as their 
sales and marketing headquarters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it comes to actually building product uh, engineering here, maybe less so, but I feel like that's changing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the universities here have really uh, placed an emphasis on developing a strong engineering talent and that's mm -hmm. starting to show uh, mm -hmm. in a very short span of time from this, from just a few years ago till now, actually. Uh, some of these new grads uh, in, from computer science backgrounds from uh, this universities here are doing quite well for themselves. Um, and I would say that um, I think in Singapore, when we're trying to, definitely when we're trying to recruit talents from my experience in a startup in Singapore, it was, it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and ideally would love people from a startup background who understands what it's like to hustle the way we do. Uh, but uh, being able to find people with that background and also uh, depending on their expectations, that, that, was, that was a challenge. And I think a lot of startups, if you ask them in Singapore, what's the number one uh, challenge? It'll be around like, talent and recruiting as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I think um, if you're to perhaps broaden uh, your hiring pool to the region, there's definitely, uh, for example, in, in Vietnam, fantastic software engineering talent that's mm -hmm. coming out of uh, Vietnam. Uh, in Indonesia as well, I think there's a lot of good talent there uh, for uh, one more that are joining startups as well. Uh, it could be for different functions, it could be design and other things. Uh, so I would say the way to think about Singapore is really as perhaps a base for mm -hmm. launching and expanding into the regional market mm -hmm. and to actually set your sites beyond Singapore. Uh, and definitely I would say companies in Singapore are also very cognizant of that. Singapore as a market, uh, it, it, it is a small market uh, uh, depending on your industry and you definitely need to look beyond and expand uh, to the region or further depending on what you're trying to build uh, and Singapore then just becomes a way for perhaps uh, for the for the headquarters mm -hmm. for you to be able to coordinate uh, mm -hmm. for you to be able to to, to run the company from uh, but but the, the opportunities lie uh, beyond just Singapore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you that's that's really helpful and I guess given given your interactions with um, founders and 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 operators and and investors what are people most excited about? I think you, you touched on the metaverse, um, so I'm sure some Web three for sure. Um, but what are the what are the industries um, or sectors that that talent and and capital and uh, mind share are really focused on right now in the in the region? Mm, well, from from my understanding, especially in Singapore, there are some areas that have become quite uh, popular and hot right now. Uh, definitely, um, cryptocurrencies is one of them. Uh, another one would actually be the uh, food tech, interestingly enough. There's a lot of interest in that. There's uh, quite a fair bit of money going into that as well. And Singapore is seemingly uh, emerging as one of the, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of activity taking place in, in that area as well. Uh, but then also I would say um, generally, as, as definitely in this part of the region, e-commerce is still always going to be a big one for now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of uh, talent is moving towards. And interestingly, you'd see that there's um, basically Singapore right now has the, the the U.S. tech companies setting up shop here, and also the Chinese tech companies setting up shop here, and they're both competing for talent here. So it's actually a pretty good time for talent uh, in Singapore because if, if if you fit the bill and the requirements, uh, there are many people who will be uh, the potential suitors, if you will. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I'll, I'll say um, that realization that. Uh, this is going to be the battlegrounds for the large tech companies to actually duke it out, uh, Singapore and the region. Uh, that, that's definitely one of the things to be keeping an eye out for. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. And, and I think you we, we you touched on it before when you when you mentioned around sort of the Grab and Uber 
kind of a competition at that time sort of um so if you can if you can double click into that what, what is the competitive dynamic like i guess not not necessarily with um external companies trying to compete with local companies but the level the the nature of competition in terms of um companies in in singapore or southeast asia competing with each other um what is the competitive dynamic like for example in london perhaps maybe you have one or two players that once they break out you know pretty much dominate um, whereas here, maybe in Silicon Valley, if you have, say, two or three players break out, you have, it, it, the competition is quite fierce, right? You, you might have another, another four or five um, that are actively, aggressively trying to take market share. So what, what, is, the, what is the sort of competitive dynamic like um, in, in Singapore? Uh, within Singapore itself, I mean, um, if we were to, again, my own opinion here, this dynamic of, um, let's say, the the more well-funded larger startups trying to compete for market share, uh, the, the grabs, the gojeks, um, and uh, the, the different ride hailing or the food delivery services even, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the food pandas, the, the deliveroos, uh, the grab foods. Um, definitely there's competition is intense and fierce in this region and mm -hmm. uh, Singapore. Uh, again, my own observations would be that uh, it seems to me that there's definitely, mm, in a way, it's it's how how long can you uh it's you have to be quite strategic in how you how you place your bets i guess in terms of are you going to be able to grab market share in different markets uh and then maybe you realize that oh maybe in one country uh, one player is coming out quite dominant does it still make sense for us to try to uh take them on or should we be uh, redeploying resources somewhere else and i speak this in general for all uh the startups that i observe competing in this region for market share uh, so definitely i'll say that in that case, it becomes a question of uh, where, 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 where are my competitive advantages? Uh, am I able to, am I able to better succeed in a certain market over another for certain reasons? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it could be uh, the case of um, may maybe there's uh, support support from the local uh, from the local countries uh, mm -hmm. folk that they say this, they are definitely choosing this, or maybe it could be uh, some other factors that actually mm -hmm. result in them being able to maybe they they spend more time trying to win the country over. Mm -hmm. uh, to say that, hey, uh, we're, we're building this for you and we understand what you need mm -hmm. and, and they deliver a better service, mm -hmm. uh, again, for that, for that adaptation, local adaptation needs. And that, that dynamic is a case where I, I'm, I'm not sure whether we're there yet, that we're going to see, um, you know, we're going to see this sort of winner takes all dynamic where there'll only be one uh, giant across the whole region or will there be several players vying for that? Or will it be that the place is carved up and certain uh, country, uh, countries in the region will have these dominant players, but then you go to another country, it'll be a different set. Uh, I think it's really still early to say, uh, mm -hmm. but definitely competition is fierce. How it's going to play out, I, I, have, I, I, don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a good sense of right now. Sure, that's, I think that's really, really helpful um, and, and insightful. And um, yeah, rounding, rounding up now um, on, on a more lighter note, what are, the, what are the, you know, what do people do when they're not working? So what is, what are generally, of course, we're making a huge generalization um, uh, in terms of what, what folks do, but generally from your perspective, what do people do when they're not working, say on the evenings or on the weekends? <laughs> well, in Singapore, I would say people love their food here and uh, definitely lots of friends that have come through uh, to live in Singapore for a while have fallen in love uh, with the different kinds of cuisines that are on offer. Uh, we're a big foodie culture for sure. Uh, there's also lots of uh, the cafe culture, people like to go for their weekend brunches, 
lots of sports. Um, it's a hot place, but uh, definitely um, lots of outdoor sports opportunities, um, um, wakeboarding, uh, all sorts of things you can do. And the great thing as well, I think, is given Singapore's proximity to the rest of the region, it's really easy to just jump on a plane for a weekend. Uh, you could fly out Friday night, you could be at Phuket, and then you can come back uh, on a Sunday and then just be straight back at work. But that is definitely something that, unfortunately, given the pandemic, hasn't been as, uh, you know, people haven't been able to do that as much as before, but I think it's slowly getting to start coming back. And, and all that is part of what makes it so exciting to be uh, in this part of the world, too, and also learning about uh, the different countries in the region. Fantastic, fantastic. And then um, what, what are the, apart from the kind of the classic uh, Christmas and, uh, and New Year celebrations, um, what are, are there any other major holidays or cultural events uh, in the region? Yeah, so for Singapore, actually, there's it's a, it's a multicultural country, which means that we actually celebrate multiple uh, festivals. Uh, for example, Chinese New Year uh, for the Chinese, Hari Raya Puasa, Hari Raya Haji for, for the Malays, uh, for the Indians, Haipusam, for example. Uh, and then there's also Bisat Day uh, and all these different uh, festivals. And of course, including Christmas and New Year's. And that's definitely, I think, something for people that grow up in Singapore, you, you, you get exposed to all these um, major festivities of different cultures, mm. uh, different religions. Uh, there's an appreciation of these different customs here as well. Fantastic. I mean, that's, that's super interesting. That's something that I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't quite appreciate. So thank you for sharing that. And then finally, mm. um, obviously this podcast is really around, uh, as mentioned before, speaking to um, uh, leaders, investors, founders, operators that are, you know, building and enabling these great companies across all of these emerging markets like um, or growing emerging or growing markets like Africa, you know, Southeast Asia, um, uh, Latam and so on. Is there, you know, are there any guests that you know um, or, or don't know that you think would be a good guest um, for, the, for the podcast? Uh, there is a guy I can think of right now. His name is Sue Ken and he's building an accelerator called Iterative. <laughs> and basically what uh, he's trying to do, it seems, is to built the YC for Southeast Asia, and it's very much Southeast Asia focused. Uh, so definitely, I think some of the questions he asked today, mm -hmm. he would probably have a very good view on uh, to be able to share some insights into that. Thank you so much, Ivan. Um, really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, this has been a this has been a fascinating uh, conversation, and I've really learned. I've really learned uh, learned a lot. Thank you. And that does it for another episode of the Globalization of Entrepreneurship podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our website, globeschemers.com. That is globe, S-K-I-M-M-E-R-S.com. There you will find every episode of this podcast and other helpful resources. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcasting platform for download. And whilst you're there, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button in order to get each and every episode of the podcast as soon as it's released.